Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. I'm going to pray for Emma. Um, she's going to be opening God's Word with us and, uh, and then I'm going to let her loose. So let me pray. If you're able, why don't you reach out a hand towards Emma? God, I thank you so much for your word that is a light and a lamp unto us. God, I pray as Emma opens your scriptures, you would speak to us, that it would be life to us. God, I pray you'd fill her right now full of confidence and boldness. God, I pray she would be unapologetically herself as she shares with us. And Holy Spirit, would you move in and through it all? Would you bless her? Would you bless us? We pray this in your name. Amen. Not only was I roped into Five Days at Move, um, Sarah has roped me into, I think I'm going to be leading some alpha classes this year. So um, if they get you, they've got you. Like, that's happening. Um, but yes, so I have been at Move with everybody this week, which has been amazing. But like, so tired. Like, I don't know if I've been so tired in a really long time. I feel like there's potentially parents in the room who haven't, feel like they haven't slept in 10 years. And you might hate me for saying it, but I just, I need my eight hours. And if I don't get my eight hours, I'm not a great version of myself. So I feel like I've napped four to five hour naps all week. Um, and then lovely 4 a.m. fire alarms that we can thank Jesus for, but we weren't happy at the time. Um, but yeah, it's been a really good week. Um, so many of our young people are here. And just to say, like, these guys are incredible. Like, I don't think I've ever been in a space so many people and felt so comfortable and so like able to be unapologetically myself like they're so encouraging and like that hasn't gone unnoticed from us and leaders as well um yeah there were leader debriefs until like 2 a.m in the morning because we had just had so much going on but they're all amazing and everything that's gone on like Andy and I we're so privileged to be invited along to be part of it. Um, I actually texted his family the week before, or the day before, and said, look, I'm really, really nervous about this, and I'm really worried I'm not going to be myself. Like, so please pray that I'm good crack. <laughs> and I went on and got some other prayer points, but I finished it. But most importantly pray that I'm a good crack. So it worked, and that is just because of all of these guys. I mean, I think I was a good crack. I'm pretty sure I was. Um, but today, we are continuing our series, um, Dreams of the Future, and I am chatting to us about the work of our hands. If you haven't listened to previous weeks, like definitely go back and catch up on those because it has felt like everything's linked so well in together in a way that potentially Stu and Dana didn't plan to go just so well. So it's been amazing. And then even at Move, like everything has led in to today. So um, yes, we're gonna jump straight in to our teaching text for today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to Colossians 3. And um, there are black Bibles around you if you don't have a Bible with you. Um, yeah, Colossians 3, and we're going to read from verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, 
gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly and teach and as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you so much. Um, for an amazing week that we've had and some of us have maybe come today with not such amazing weeks and I just pray that as we meet here this morning that we will all encounter you and thank you for your presence and I just pray that any heaviness can be left at the door today and that we can enter into everything that you have for us with willing hearts. Amen. So a little context from where we are reading. Um, this is a letter, Colossians is a letter written by Paul to the people of Colossae, and basically he is writing to say to the church, a new church that he hasn't met, to say, you've heard the gospel from Epaphras, and back that up, that's all really good stuff, um, and just really to encourage them. He wants to remind them as well to... Um, of how they're living now, that they are to give, as they give their lives to God. There's a concern, like in chapter two, that these people who have been living here have grown up worshiping many gods and following the laws of the Torah that Jesus has now fulfilled. So from Paul, this is a message to say, um, for them not to fall back into their culture, but to remind them of how to live and not to lose sight of their new life in Christ. And there's like so much that we could unpack there. Um, but when we look at the work of our hands, I want to focus on that last verse. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Something you might know, not know about me is that in certain situations, I can like have a little bit of social anxiety. Maybe it's glaringly obvious, um, but I'm not great with small talk. Small talk is not my friend, and I normally leave those situations thinking, oh wow, like I've overshared. Did I really say those things? Um, I think the main reason for this is because I know the question's going to come, so what is it you do? And when I get asked that question, I honestly want the ground to swallow me up. Um, I was away with family a couple of weekends ago and I was chatting to my cousin's wife who I had just met on the, on the Friday night and this was Saturday night, so kind of thought I avoided that but she asked me that innocent question, so Emma, what do you do? And my posture changed from like we were just playing games and being really competitive and it changed from like laughing to like sitting back embracing myself as I figured out how, I, how do I answer that question? But anyway, I answered, and it sounded a little bit like, okay, just do, like, I do a wee bit of admin at home, and like, 
maybe, I suppose in September, come September, I'm like, I'm studying again. Most people work full time on my course and still study, but well, I appreciate my time and like getting really awkward. And then, you know, maybe some, sometimes I'm in the church office, like I do a little bit in there. I'm just like looking like, can you please stop me from talking? Um, and I know I'm not the only one that feels this way. I don't know if it's a Northern Ireland thing or if it's like across the board, but it just feels like we put so much value on what a person does for their job. I remember working in retail um, just after uni and I was a key holder. So it's like basically the job of a manager without getting paid the job of a manager, but I was very good at my job and I was in one night, it was the person in charge and I was chatting to someone who I knew and she said to me, so like, what is it? Can you just, can you just not get a job? I'm thinking, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually in a job right now, but that's okay. Um, but I think it's because there are jobs that when we tell people we do them, sometimes we get a response of, oh, amazing, that's class, great, like, tell me more. And then there are other jobs that when people share, there's a, oh, oh good for you, that's great. Um, and I think I've, I've had both of those jobs in my life, and I've seen that um, difference. I worked for PwC for a while, and, you know, it was seen to be the job that I did after my degree, even though it had nothing to do with my degree. And when I told people I did that, people thought I was class and like I'd made it when actually the work that I did was very unfulfilling and I didn't enjoy it. Um, and I know we don't love talking about COVID, but when we think about it, like I think what it showed us like really clearly was that the importance of all the different kind of jobs that we hold in society. A lot of people who often got the oh, good for you jobs were actually holding us all together while we were forced to sit at home. I mean, they were, I've always been doing that. They've always been doing all of those roles, but we've just never had an opportunity to sit back and recognize that. I do just wonder like, as life has moved on and we're all busy and distracted again, like, do we still value those jobs? A friend of mine was asked by someone in our life group a couple of years ago, like, when are you gonna get a real job? Because um, apparently her job of supporting teenagers in school as a classroom assistant just wasn't good enough. I think this week has shown what a privilege it is to be in that kind of position. And I've used examples of specific jobs because that's just been helpful. But when I talk about this, I am talking about all of the spaces and places that we find ourselves in and are awake. It's not limited to paid employment by any means. Um, and I think when looking at that, the question that came kind of maybe confronted me a little. Um, because I didn't really want to talk about this. I sent Stu a very long voice note of, I thought I was doing friendship. Why did you change me to do this? Because <laughs> I didn't want to do this. Um, but I think the question that comes from that is then, well, why do we do what we do? Why do I struggle to tell people what I do? Um, 
And do we do those things because we want recognition from others? I know when I was rhyming those things off the other week, and it happens to me all the time, I haven't found a response that I'm comfortable with, but I know when I was rhyming those things off the other week, I just had a real sense of like, is that okay? Like, have I said enough? Can I stop now? Do you value what I've told you? And it definitely links back to this embarrassment that we can feel that we haven't made it in the way the world tells us to. We've had dreams when we're younger and it feels like we haven't lived into those. But who decides if we've made it? And who answers that question of whether or not what we do is good enough? I also think that this links into how we view ministry as well. Um, some of us, I think, feel like the role that we're in, you know, doesn't give us space to do God's work. You know, we don't work for a church, we don't work for a charity, maybe we're not volunteering. Like, I just do this. And what good is that? And what good is that bringing to the kingdom? Colossians 3, 17 says, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. I really think we need to not downplay what we do and write ourselves off as not being important enough, but we need to recognize that whatever it is we're doing, we can invite Jesus into that wherever we're at. I think we're supposed to approach however we spend our week as worship and service to God. I have lost my voice a little since move, but bear with. Um, I think in order to do this, like what does it look like to live your life in worship and service to God? There's two things that are really important. I've made them up. These two things are the two things I think are really important. And it's our posture and what we'll call practical. Like we could talk we could do a whole different talk about how we can practically um, step into the things of the kingdom. And there's so many things within this place that we can do that as well. And actually at MOVE, there was this um, focus on being kingdom workers. Some of the girls have the jumpers that say kingdom workers on them. And that was kind of um, a focus. And it was all about, you know, we heard from young people who were doing class things like starting up Bible studies, prayer meetings in their school and getting involved with what their church is doing. And all that stuff is like really class and really, really good. Um, I just don't think that's where we're going to go today. But just to mention on that as well, like what we actually saw this week as well, and I think that's what we need to hear is we had one guy who wasn't with us, but we heard about him. And basically... About a year ago, I'm not sure exactly, he decided that he's seeing loads of Ukrainians coming in, living around him, and coming to his school, but no one was really talking to them. You know, first day, they would get some chats from other people, but after that, like, the conversation died, and there was no, it wasn't the ability to have friendship there, so he took it upon himself to go and learn Ukrainian. Um, started on Duolingo and realized it doesn't teach you much that you can actually use. Um, I did it once, knew how to say all the vegetables in Romanian, but knew nothing else. Um, 
So he then decided for his transition year in the South that he would learn Ukrainian. And did him, like, we, like, honestly, we kind of caught him walking down the corridor and between Amy and Sarah and myself, we were trying to, like, we're trying to help him understand that what he is doing was amazing and that what he is doing is Jesus' work. And he's like, I mean, I needed to do something for my transition year. This is just what I did. But actually what we saw from him was that he realized a moment in the wake that I actually, this is something I can do with Jesus. It is something I'm doing with Jesus. And it's not just something I've decided myself. Does that make sense? Like, it was just a really beautiful moment of him realizing that where he's at and what he's doing is actually partnering with Jesus. And I think, I mean, he just was so humble. It's unreal. Um, But yes, I've lost where I am. I'm over here. That's grand. Um, But yes, so practical, although the practical is really important and there's so much good there, I think what we want to look at is the posture element of this. Um, I think we're really good at wanting those tick boxes, the lists of everything that we can do to go and um, I know I do anyway, to feel like I'm doing it right. Um, But I think for us to live well for Jesus, we need to first focus on our hearts and why we do what we do because ultimately Jesus wants our hearts. Like what are our dreams for the future? I think talking about this posture, it's about seeing what we have in our hands and giving that over to God. And there's often like this disconnect with how we do that. I just think it's because when we look at our hands, sometimes there's just, feels like there's nothing there. Or maybe there's a real disappointment with what's there. Like, do we like what we have in our hands? Like, are we okay with this? Or do we just feel really angry that we're here and we're not there? And is there a pressure from the world around us for it to be there instead of here? We just feel sometimes like we have nothing to give. And the reality of our lives is that things happen, disruption comes and disappointment comes. And it's how we respond to that's really, really important. It's also so difficult. Like, it's not easy. But how we respond will change our posture to life. And again, I think there's a whole other talk about all of that that might come in autumn. I've already said to Andy and Stu, that's what's happening in autumn apparently. So I'm giving you some notes. Um, But I just think that's really important. And the two previous points of our service and our worship are for everyone and every part of our lives, regardless of what life looks like. And actually, if we establish a life of service and worship to God, it will serve us so well when things come that are unexpected and that really are not good. I have an example that I want to share with you. Um, And if I'm honest, it's one that I feel maybe a little awkward about sharing. Um, But I just feel like it was a realization for me last week. And I feel like it's what I have to share. 
It's about my husband, Andy, and yeah, there he is. So it just, I'm not here to be like, look at us for class. It's not what's happening. I just feel like, I just feel like that's what I got. Um, But if you know Andy, you will know that he spent a year in hospital after suffering a spinal injury and a brain injury. So as he woke up from his coma over time, he woke up with the realization that, well, one, his motorbike was no more, which I think was the biggest realization. (laughs) Um, But that he had no feeling or function below his chest or that he he couldn't communicate. And I think, well, for, he spent nine of the months, nine of the 12 months in, in Musgrave Park Hospital. And I think if you like looked at him at that moment, he would almost be excused from, you know, he could say, well, what can I do right now? His time wasn't his own. He couldn't go make plans of all these things he could do for Jesus. And he, um, he didn't even have, you know, capacity to make plans or the time for that. But what he did do was he lent in to God in whatever way he could. Anyone was with him. He asked them to pray and pray again and read and read again. He was just unapologetically himself in that space. I had to apologize on his behalf because again, if you know him, you know that that's necessary. <laughs> but everyone else seemed to, seemed to like him. And simply like by playing Uno with anyone who passed him, you weren't allowed to get past without playing Uno or he's messing around in therapy. He just touched so many people and their lives around him. And after a couple of sessions he had with a psychologist who'd maybe been, I can't remember the number, like 25 years in the job, he said to us, He's never in his whole time met anyone who was happy to be in hospital and was just happy to be there for nine months because naturally everybody who was in there was wanting to be out and to go about their normal life and that's completely understandable. And although Andy obviously did want that too, he was just in a place where he was able to say, well, that's not where I'm at. But Jesus, where I am at, I give that all over to you. And to this day, people who meet Andrew are so excited to see him. Like we met someone at the food bank the other day who was absolutely delighted. He was a patient at the same time. He just brought people joy. There was one physio in the Royal who would take her breaks in Andy's side room because she just wanted to be there. She wanted to hang out. And then another one who said that when she worked with Andy, she just felt there was such a sense of peace come over her. And then finally, just his OT that worked with him for the nine months in Musgrave. As soon as Andy got his discharge date, she handed in her notice and she said, Jess, I've been wanting to leave, but I couldn't leave until Andy left. And that was just, I just hit me last week. Like I lived through it and I watched it all, but I don't think I realized. And we've talked all week at MOVE as leaders, about how we feel like Jesus has been a magnet for our young people. And that was someone's story when they shared at the end of the week that Jesus was like a magnet for them. 
when we take the little that we have, disappointment, and whatever we hold in our hands, and we give it over to Jesus, trusting that no matter what happens, no matter where we are, if we don't get here, that actually we're okay here because we have Jesus. If we can do that, and if we can live our lives in service and worship to him, then we become like a magnet to people. And I think it's because, it's because of the joy. It's because of the joy that we have when we do that. And I think that's just an example. You've already heard that from some of our young people, how that was just so infectious. And sometimes it might sound like, oh, well, that's not the way the world works, Emma, you know. Um, don't know what the word is, if it's like romanticized or whatever, but actually it's just so true. And we had so many, so many of our girls who weren't around church environments before, like that's what they said. Like, why is everybody so nice? Everybody's so kind. They're just feeling this feeling that they don't get anywhere else. And that's just because the people they were around were different. I wonder what it would look like for us to be people that others are drawn to and work at the school gates as we care for family members that we never thought we'd have to care for or the ones who used to care for us. Whereas we live into a retired life that actually is nothing what we expected it to be and we don't know how to do it. I'm not here to give us a list of all the things that we have to do in order to go and serve Jesus. I'm here to say that it just simply starts with the posture of our hearts. Verse 12, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, gentleness, and patience. We can leave today and go out these doors and do exactly that. Like even if nothing changes practically in our life, we can do that now. All the practical things are really important. Um, don't get me wrong, like Chris shared with us a few weeks ago about what we believe is going on with our teenagers and he shared it again. But listen back to that. Afterwards, I had some really good chats with people who are wanting to do Alpha. I see you, I remember you said it. Um, but that was so encouraging about getting involved. Um, but if you don't have space for that in your life, and some of us don't right now, some of us are literally surviving, you still get to be involved in kingdom work. If we write ourselves off as not having anything, do you know if it's a case of I'll worship God when I'm here or I'll serve him when I'm here, because right now all my effort is getting here. I just wonder, when we get here, are we gonna be happy with this? Or are we gonna have another thing to get to? I think if we live like that, we're really missing the point. And actually we're missing an opportunity to step into the freedom that Christ brings us. I have no doubt that there's more joy here in the really, really hard stuff. But partnering with Jesus, 
than there is in the striving to get here for the acceptance of the world or just to fulfill the dreams that we had that we feel like if we don't, that we failed. I have a quote. Dallas Willard writes this. It's up. God is yet to bless anyone except where they actually are. And if we faithlessly discard situation after situation, moment after moment as not being right, we will simply have no place to receive his kingdom in our life. Where are we at right now? Like, are we discarding where we're at as not being good enough for God? God is yet to bless anyone except where they actually are. And I think that's what God wants to do today is to bless us where we are. These guys came to move. Quite a few of them did not want to be there. I'm pretty sure Abby was trying to sneak off and get a train to get herself home, which would have been a real disaster for all of us. But God's blessing us where we're at And that's just so important. If you guys want to come back up. I think rather than downplaying where we're at or thinking that our jobs just aren't important, We need to invite God into it. And we need to be open to bring God into all the places and spaces in our life. Because our jobs and how we spend our days matter to what's going on in the kingdom. So we need to invite him in exactly where we're at. Not once we make the wee changes that we should make to be good Christians, but exactly where we're at. And if we do that, in order to do that, it just, it begins with a posture and it begins with open hearts. And when we do that, we naturally see God move. Like we, we saw that this week where we see one of our lads, like someone stands on his foot And he's filled with the spirit and he's filled with this moment where God's done something within him and he goes and he prays that over somebody else. It's infectious. Imagine if we, imagine if we did that. Like remember how you you feel after your first time meeting Jesus or when you encounter him in special moments. Imagine if we took that and passed that on and prayed for other people. I just think we're so easy, it's so easy for us to experience Jesus and go back home on a Sunday as well. And, you know, there's just something so powerful in these guys 
then going and praying for other people and praying for other people and it's just, it's just wonderful. If you're able, would you please stand with me? Sometimes when we look at this, you know, it's maybe not a moment for right now. And it's like a, when you leave here and go home, it's something you give to Jesus. But I just think if we can give in, it's the work of our hands. If you're comfortable to put your hands right in front of you. I just want to pray over us now before we sing. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I pray for more of you in this room and this space right now. Father, we give you our disappointment. We give you our heartbreak and all of our failed dreams that make us feel like we failed. We give that all over to you now. Take it, God. Those chains we drop at your feet, knowing that you've dealt with it, God. We just pray a blessing over everybody right now in this room, that you will just bless each and every one of us and that we will be open to hearing what you have for us and stepping in to you right now, Jesus.